This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek, still in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Phoenix, Arizona. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for October 11th, episode 1795, brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, Horse World. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we can go again. And away we go. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday morning. And it's that time of year where everything is pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice <laughs> lattes, pumpkin spice gum, pumpkin spice. You know, Starbucks started that whole pumpkin spice thing, and now it's everywhere. Everywhere. Do you drink pumpkin spice lattes? For, I don't drink anything from Starbucks, period. Okay. Me, <laughs> what, you don't want to pay $12 you for a drink? I used, to, I used to, on the way to the radio station uh, in Atlanta, they opened up a Starbucks on the way to the station that would open up at 4 a.m., which is, I would be driving by there like 4.30. So I started going in and getting it. And then I realized that I was spending like maybe $20 a week. And getting about 9,000 grams of sugar a week, and I just stopped. Cold turkey. Boom. Done. Yeah, but I bet you read the traffic and record speed every morning. I was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I was amazing. Well, the reason I brought that up is Joel Holland has a new title. He is out of Washington State, and he has just won this year's World Championship Pumpkin Wayoff. Now, he has set a United States record with the largest pumpkin in United States history. Are you ready? At 2,363 pounds. What? That is an extra, extra, extra large Percheron, people. That is big. Uh, That's a ton and a quarter or thereabouts. Yeah, 2,363 pounds. Now, he is, that is only the second largest pumpkin in the world, but it's now the largest one ever in the United States. And I posted a picture there for you to see, Jamie. That is one big pumpkin. (laughs) How does, how do you move a pumpkin that big? I mean, obviously, you have a forklift, forklift, but don't you think that the weight of it, the pumpkin would crush it? Well, they grow it when they, they take a lot of care in growing these things. I watched a special on this. That's how bored I was one night. So they actually put <laughs> wood underneath the pumpkin as it's growing so that when they put the forklift in, they're picking it up on this plank so that um. it doesn't crush because you're right. It would crush under its own weight. By the way, because he won, he got $7 a pound, earning him a grand total of $16,541 for his pumpkin. Where's that money coming from? I don't, I don't the Pumpkin Association? I don't know. The uh, sponsor of yeah. the pumpkin Yeah, who's the thing? people that... Who, is it Libby's that does the pumpkin in the can that you get to make pies? Is that Libby's? Maybe Libby sponsors it. I don't know. Maybe. That's a lot of pumpkins <laughs> in a can. That's a lot of pumpkin. Do you think when a pumpkin gets that big, it gets tough? Like other things? I don't know. Just I, 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 
don't think it's edible. I don't know. I mean, you know, do whatever you want. But let me tell you something right now. Have you ever made a pumpkin pie? Yes, many times. Because you take a whole entire pumpkin and like only one cup of that pumpkin goes into that pie and you've got 47 cups remaining (laughs) of this pumpkin. That's right. That's right. So what what do people without chickens do with it? I don't know. I was just going to say, we throw out ours in the woods for whatever critters are going to come and get it. (laughs) (laughs) Spread the love. Speaking of chickens, I just noticed Dr. Wendy Ying is now on Facebook Live showing Glenn and Jamie the Duck hanging out by the pool. So that was breaking news. (laughs) something wrong with her. (laughs) Jamie, what's coming up on today's show? Good morning. Happy Wednesday. On today's show, Radley Watkins reviews some beautiful booths from Noble Outfitters. You get to hear from the Equestrians Have Talent winner, Dr. Michelle Frazier, fills us in on heaves and allergies. We hear from the recent inventing winner, Allison Thompson, and from Caroline from Heels Down. And we talked to Lisa Wasowski, excuse me, about the opium equation. It's a guest-packed show, guys. And today is National Pet Obesity Awareness Day, so go run your horses or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get her to like horses. In yeah, the end of one this. of these days. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. And uh, maybe you feed your it. dog a little less. It's just the other thing there. On pet I obesity. think it's like National Girl Independence Independent Woman Day, so go celebrate chicks. <laughs> And on that note, it's time for my Daily Mini. Well, a big happy birthday to two of our auditors, Melody Hollis and Kayla Mueller, who was just on Monday... Muller, she was just on Monday, and we, we didn't even know it was her birthday. That was yesterday, so happy because birthday. Because you don't know about people's birthday until Facebook I tells know. you. And Facebook I don't even know my families anymore. Matter of fact, one of my family members asked why I forgot their birthday, and I said, if you're not on Facebook, you don't get nothing. <laughs> you get nothing. <laughs> That's right. You better be on Facebook. And also, announcer and friend of the show, Wayne Williams' birthday today. So happy birthday to all of them. My daily Winnie goes out to, oh my gosh, this is going to be like the first time I've given Zeus the Mustang a positive daily Winnie. Usually it's for like escaping and destroying things or breaking something. He actually was really helpful yesterday. Uh, Did you see any, I posted some of the videos on the auditor page. I'll try to get it on the horses in the morning page as well. Just sometimes when you post on horses in the morning, a lot of times random people like to troll. (laughs) So I try not to post too much personal stuff in there. Um, But anyway, so I put Zeus, uh, baby Zara has this tendency, as we now know, to run over me. Just flat. (laughs) Which causes bruises and bruises and more bruises. Which causes a lot of pain (laughs) and then created some fear. And I just thought, well, what do I do? How do I teach her to lead? Oh, wait, I'll just call somebody. Oh, wait, I am that somebody. Crap. (laughs) (laughs) So it actually has been keeping me up at night. I'm going to get her to lead because I'm so freaked out by her running me over. Um, Because she just has this like, she just like somebody next door will start and it's it's a half an acre away. We'll start the weed whacker and she's just like, whoop, and she tries (laughs) to jump into my lap. 
So I you have a busy neighborhood too. There's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. there's just it's just how I did lots of lots of stuff going on tractors, horses, goats. I don't know, whatever. So I I thought. I'm going to put Zeus over there. I'll make him run into her. Because I do pony. I ponied magic. Precious Magic Gallop Jennings. Around the neighborhood using Zeus. So that's how I got her kind of trail savvy. Um, so I decided to uh, pony Baby Zara with him. And he was amazing. He was so good. He, he at one point was like, get away from me. Because she was trying to come up. And all of a sudden, he's teaching her the mare bubble. It was awesome. So... We're going to do it again today. And um, I had my, I call her my social media consultant, Abby, who's 15, uh, come with me and film it all. <laughs> she's like, I go, wasn't that so good? And she's like, yeah, that was really good. And you're brave. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, when a 15 year old tells you you're crazy. You know, Zeus was the star there, really. I mean, Zeus did, just hung in there and was like, I'll teach him. I'll teach that that kid how to do this. That's what I'm saying. That's why yeah. he got my daily. Oh, thing. yeah. He was amazing. He was he amazing. He was so good. He was, I was really, really good. Really proud of him. He's like, can I come home now? I'm like, no, because he's three houses down and all he does is stare at us. I can see him <laughs> from my, from my, I'm like, you got a whole acre pasture all to yourself. Go be free. And he's like, I want to come home. I want to come home. Get he doesn't like wherever he is. <laughs> no. He's not. I'm like, He'll jump out. Yeah, he, like he, like he is. jumps out of Monty Roberts' five foot pasture fence. He can <laughs> he can take down the neighbors. For <laughs> <laughs> right, so He's you know that'll right be now. you'll be a day or two with that, and this this uh, baby be leading just fine. You'll be yeah. Going. I'm an, I'm excited. I'm excited, and this is this is the consequence of me not being able to sleep. Is when you can't, Jimmy. Are you an insomniac at all? I feel like women hit a certain age, and then you can't sleep anymore. Oh, 100%. I have trouble sleeping like crazy. I can go to sleep. I just can't stay asleep. So typically, because of this show, I wake up at 4.45. So the days that I don't do the show, I wake up at 3 a.m. But I don't know what happens to me. <laughs> but 3 a.m. and then you got to pee and then you lay back down and you can't go back to sleep. And these are things I think of. I'm like, hmm. Wonderful. Does your mind start racing? Oh, yeah. Nonstop. Does yours do that too? Yep. Oh, yep, gosh. that's why I can't fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, okay, first of all, what, how can I teach baby Zara to lead? And then you concoct this plan. Then you're like, oh my gosh, remember in 10th grade, I was like mean to that guy. I'm such a jerk. I can't sleep anymore. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that haunts my head. How about you? <laughs> um, not exactly. It's more like, oh my God, I have this show to produce in the morning and I, <laughs> where's my equipment? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I used to, when I used to do traffic, I would, I would dream that I couldn't, I would start sneezing and I couldn't do the traffic report and you only have 60 <laughs> seconds and I would sneeze the whole time. <laughs> nightmares. Uh, Hashtag. It became nightmares. the weather report. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's a cold going around. Uh, and you know, Scary's going to be so proud. He wrote us a little note, one of our auditors, and said, Okay, Glenn and Jamie, I just want to let you know that I'm at the American Royal Hunter Jumper Show this week, which I think is a great big deal. And I'll oh. have him playing on the loudspeaker. Oh, and no. and uh, so your, your, uh, your dreams have just been broadcast across the Hunter Jumper Show at the American oh, Royal. Oh, my gosh. It's so <laughs> embarrassing. Turn us down. Nobody needs to hear this nonsense. <laughs> So just thought I'd let you know that. Uh, At least I talked about my horse already. You talked about a giant pumpkin. 
<laughs> you also, uh, you know, one other thing you wanted to talk about, you might I as well dive help. in the pool. <laughs> so. I need some help. And those of you at the Hunter Jumper shows, I'm, I'm in the market for a horse for a, a student of mine. And we are looking for something five to 12, uh, five to 12 years old. And she wants, a, okay, this is an adult. Okay. They're one of your students or whatever. This yeah. is my, an adult student. Okay. She is an adult student. And I feel, and if she's listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. I feel like sometimes I'm trying to find a horse for a 12 year old girl. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's her first horse. And she's doing great. She's I call, she's the one I call my reformed Western pleasure rider. She was a Western pleasure. Now she's really gotten into English and it's kind of like she's been taking two lessons a week. She's been getting good Ooh, and she's she's, she's ready over. for her horse. She's come over strong. She shopped on at horse lovers and got like the helmet, the boots, the half chaps, everything. She like she looks like me coming out here. So we're looking for a horse. But the part about looking for a horse for a 12-year-old girl is she's like, hmm. Okay, I'm a designer, so I need to be, I'll, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, oh, okay, go ahead. And now this is a horse she's looking for, like an event horse. So, you know, just a nice, safe, quiet, something that jumps nicely and calmly to finish out what we're looking for. Something that you can make a mistake on and it's not going to punish you for it, kind of, kind of horse. And we have a fairly uh, big budget, so we're, we're looking, we're looking for nice horses. So she sends, she says, okay, since I'm a designer, I've, I've just got a couple design parts and pieces to this horse shopping. Okay. Okay. Well, does she know they don't come with curtains? Just saying, I, uh, you know, she goes, you know, I, I don't want a brown horse. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, wait. Okay. That eliminates 75% okay. of the horses. <laughs> horse that's not brown. I go bay or chestnut. She's like, neither. I don't want either one of those. I was like, okay. I said, you know what I tell my children is that we don't shop for color. And she's like, yeah, I know. Okay. But really what I want, she's like, you know, I'd really like, I'd like it to be a mare. I was like, what? Who are you? Okay. You want a mare? Don't want it to be brown. I'm like, just keep firing away. Let's go. Let's, let's get down to the brass tacks here. She's like, I really want it to be gray. Okay, you want a gray mare. That is the one thing I prayed baby Zara was not going to be. It's a gray mare. <laughs> Different you taste. Gray mare. She's like, you know what? Honestly, if I could pick. She's like, first, I don't like a bald face or blue eyes. I don't like that. I don't want that. I was like, okay. Um, she's like, really? I want a blue roan. I'm like, where? Are you looking for a barrel horse? Or are you looking <laughs> <laughs> for a jumper? I said, you know what? These are all things taken into consideration. And I'll tell you what, right now, bless her heart, she has sent me 50 horses. 48 of them are brown. <laughs> she's like, she's like, this is going to be harder than I thought. Uh, yeah, she just whittled it down to about 2% of the horse population. I know. Yeah. And she, she's like, I know this is going to be hard. And now... She we, we she found one that was in California, and it was supposed to be. And I posted this on the auditor's page because I wanted to get people's opinion. It was a gray horse that looks like a paint, but there's white hair, all white, but you could see like the skin underneath is a paint. And they have it listed as a seven year old Azteca gelding. Well, an Azteca is a Andalusian quarter horse cross. Mm -hmm. So, which can be very beautiful. 
and very be- beautiful horse and and they <clears throat> had it going english and western and of course the western was just they just put a western saddle on and rode it english um but they keep cu- kept cutting out the canter transitions it was like walk to trot cut cantering like, mm, that's always a red flag when you don't show the canter transitions in the video so we get that one and uh another one comes in and i'm like hmm that looks weird i said okay here's the thing it's four and a half hours away we can go look at something four and a half hours away but i need to ask some questions first of all what is its breeding is the mom as as the mom in andalusian or the dad who's the andalusian what's the breeding they write back um we don't have any papers okay well, how do they know what, what kind of, how do they know it's an Azteca? I can like make, Hey, this is an Azteca. Magic is a, you know, this tiny little black pony, whatever. I can just say she's whatever. Oh no. We know that it's an Azteca because it came from an Azteca farm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you laughed at that because I kind of laughed. What? Well, you can find thoroughbreds at quarter horse farms and I, uh, Quarter horses I, at thoroughbred I've farms. Really, and <laughs> I've never been to an Azteca farm, nor I have either. I heard of it. No. There probably is one, whatever, you know, anyway. So then I'm like, how do you know how, how do they know how old it is? How do they do it? How do you know anything about a horse if it's not tattooed? I'm such a thoroughbred person or a Mustang person where the marking is clearly right there on the neck or on the lip and, and so, or papered. Um, so I'm kind of, uh, struggling with that one so yeah you haven't bought enough mutts in your lifetime i well i have but i've seen them they're not four and a half hours away you <laughs> know true. and and some where you have to make a pretty severe commitment to a, an advanced beginner you know and and have to whew, i don't know it's tough i i i, I kind of I kind of, there's too much of life for that horse that is, and by the way, it's owned by, a, it's being sold at a place that they flip horses. And then it, I'm like, can, do you have any vet records? Well, the owner hasn't owned it very long and he's just decided to sell it. And we're really knocking down the price. You know, all of a sudden it got into like major sales mm. mode. And I'm like, was, it, was there videos? There was videos. Yeah, yeah. And your wife pointed out that he was lame in one of them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Jennifer would Jen, see that Coach too. Jen will ruin everything. <laughs> yeah. She ruins everything. <laughs> she will see lame about 20 miles away. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, mm, I go, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> so, so anyway, we're out on that one. But I, I, I ask the auditors what, and, and anybody out there, if you guys could tell me what is the best way to find a horse online, uh, dream horse is always my go-to. And I found a lot of horses on dream horse, but people don't update their ads. And I have messaged a hundred people about their horses and like four have gotten back to me. And they have their phone numbers in there. Your voicemail box is full. I don't know. Nobody's emailing me back. Nobody's writing me back. Nobody's answering my phone calls. It's really frustrating. And so I think a lot of these are out of date and they're like, "Mm." so each person I'm like that. They're like, oh, the horse is sold. Well, your ad is still up. So you may want to take it down. Stop (laughs) making me call. Have you resorted to Craigslist yet? No. Hey, everybody, you're going to see a whole slew of ads coming from Jamie on Friday. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I already sent Jennifer a couple of them. I should go to Craigslist (laughs) just for fun. Jessica says she's like, you don't go to Craigslist because we got a real nice mare horse that was just gelded on there. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, get your ads in to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Really Bad Ads is back on Friday. 
Well, we, uh, and, and also, if you know of anything that is a gray mare, blue roan with brown eyes and pink feet, uh, get a hold <laughs> of Jamie. Yeah. A unicorn horn. Too. And a unicorn <laughs> horn on top. And all for $29.95. Yeah. Yes. 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 Oh, we can go a little higher. We a little higher? 30? 40? 40 bucks. 40 yeah. bucks. Okay, good. good. I'll chip in. <laughs> so uh, J- that that you, you can contact Jamie through the website. Just send her Oh, yeah. Email. She's been looking at horses, by the way. The end of that story was I was going to like go all the way to California. Now she found, she sent me two horses, one in Maryland and one in Florida. Well, like, that's closer. <laughs> like, enjoy your trip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, we're going next. Normally on Stable Scoop, there is no Stable Scoop this week. They'll be back next week with the finals of Equestrians Have Talent. But we always do a product review by Horse Lovers that sends products out to our terrific auditors, and they do a review. Well, I do have a review for you today, and we're going to put it on this show instead of Stable Scoop, and, because they're our sponsor anyway. And we have Radley, who's one of our auditors, who is reviewing some really cool uh, Western boots from Noble Outfitters. And it actually made me want to go out and buy a pair. So we're going to uh, play that right now. <laughs> product review time and i've got on the line with me red watkins auditor what wonderful product from horselovers.com do you get to review this evening i am checking out the noble outfitters all around square toed athletic men's western boot dun 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 um the noble outfitters authentics boot I i think that is authentic boot Although oh, maybe yeah. it's athletic too. You yep, tried sorry. it out, so you're no, going to no, know. <laughs> it is. Um, it is very cushiony, and I'll tell you all about the things I did. But you're right, authentic boot. Yep, <laughs> so, so explain to us what kind of a boot this is from Noble Outfitters. Okay, so when you look at it, it's it's a very Western boot. You know, it has Western tooling on it. This one has a, um, this is the Adobe Blue upper, and then just natural brown mahogany um, leather bottom, uh, square toe. Uh, a little more cowboyish than I, I typically wear. And I'll just tell you a real funny story about this boot. Um, I was at the Midwest Horse Fair this spring, and I saw a young lady passing out some sort of brochure about Noble Outfitters. And I said, oh, wow, Noble Outfitters, I've, I've heard of them on Horse Radio Network. Thanks for supporting Horse Radio Network. She said, actually, I'm just with 4-H, and they support 4-H, so we're doing this as a return. She said, go to their booth, and if you try on a pair of boots, you can get a free pair of gloves. So I went there, and I met the people who really work for them, and I said, you know, thanks for supporting Horse Radio Network. And they said, sure, try on a pair of boots. And I had just purchased $2,000 worth of different boots and tried them all on and sent them all back from Amazon. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I tried on so many boots. I live in a very rural part of the country, so um, there's not a lot of boot choices around here. So I tried all different brands on and I didn't really need any boots at the time, but I thought, well, I'll try them on. And they were giving away these cool gloves. So I tried on this very pair of boots and I thought, my gosh, if I hadn't just spent like six months shopping for boots, I would have bought these because they were so comfortable, but I only had, you know, 30 seconds to wear them. And then they gave me these nice, uh, hanging gloves. I think they're the hay fucking pro gloves or something. I can't remember what they're called, but they're really neat too. And uh, then I, there was a chance to review these boots, and so um, I've had that opportunity and gotten to wear them a lot more. I've worn them canoeing, roofing, um, doing all sorts of horse chores, and, uh, of course, riding. 
So as well as going to work and selling real estate. Um, so they've, they've been very versatile. Uh, they are, they're extremely cushiony and, um, comfortable right out of the box. They say that they have a uh, polyurethane outsole, like a compound sole. It's not, um, leather, but it looks like leather, you know, that when they build up the leather on a boot sole, I don't know the correct yeah, term. Yeah, it has but, that pretty layered look. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So this has that look, but it's um, more like a gym shoe. And um, I think they call it, what do they call it? Physio outsole, something mm-hmm. like that, which is exceptionally lightweight and mm-hmm. flexible and um, really does feel like you're wearing a pair of sneakers. So um, it's been a great boot and took no break in time at all. Um, that that sole has not worn down on me either. So I can't see any way that, you know, at first I thought, oh, this won't last very long. And soon you'll see sort of like that plasticky look coming through, but it hasn't. So I think they're really neat boots. And uh, anybody shopping for a Western pair of boots, I would, I would recommend them. Well, there you go. It doesn't get much better than that. And you've obviously given them a, a very thorough workout doing a lot of different things with them. So they're a good multitasker, which is always a nice thing to have in the closet. It is. In, indeed. Yep. I think you could do a lot of different things. My wife, when she first found she said, oh, save those and just wear them to be your fancy boots. And no, I'm not much happen. of a fancy boot kind of guy. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, they they, they Fit-wise, fit did you expect, did they fit the way that you expected, or do you think they ran a little big or a little small? They were perfect. Out perfect. of all the different brand boots I tried, and like I mentioned, I had recently purchased over $2,000 with the boots and sent um, all but one pair back. And um, these were, right, sometimes I order a wide because um, my foot runs a little wide, but these are nice where they, they hug my foot, but they're not too tight in the ball of the foot. So they have a, a real, they do have an athletic type feel to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they sit great. Um, and they they say they don't need any break-in period. And I would say that's true. Right now I'm wearing them with a bathing suit and um, no socks. And oh, that's too much information, Rad. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just closed up the cabin for Labor Day. So. <laughs> Com- complete honesty here here on the uh, on the review show. Hey, these things, the Noble Outfitters men's all-around square toe authentic boots. That's a lot another mouthful for a name of a product. They are available on horselovers.com. And currently, as we record this review, the price is $189.95. So you can shop for them at horselovers.com. And thank you very much, Rad, for coming on and reviewing these boots. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And if you, too, want the opportunity to do some product reviews where horse lovers send you some products to try and doesn't cost you anything except becoming an auditor on the Horse Radio Network, you can do that by going to horseradionetwork.com, clicking on the auditor banner on the right side of the page. As for as little as a dollar a month, you, too, can become an auditor. And tomorrow, Thursday, this is for all the auditors, too, I will be posting a bunch of fall products that have come in for review. So I will be posting those tomorrow, first come, first serve. Especially if you're a new auditor, if you haven't reviewed anything this year, those are the people we encourage to give it a try. So if you sign up today and we get you into the auditor room, by tomorrow you'll have a chance to get one of the fall products and just uh, sign up to become an auditor today. It's time for the Horses in the Morning Horse Health Report. 
when our intrepid hosts, together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade, attempt to inform, enlighten, or terrify horse owners everywhere into funding a Kickstarter campaign to mass-produce Kevlar-coated, bubble-wrap-lined equine products. And we don't know just how appropriate this topic is, considering I talked about sneezing all the way through uh, <laughs> traffic reports and <laughs> my nightmares. We're happy we have Dr. Fraser on uh, to talk about some allergies and heaves. Good morning, Dr. Fraser. Good morning. How are you doing other than sneezing? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. We're so happy to have you on again. You're always a, a lot of fun, a lot of good information. So what we're going to talk about today is allergies and heaves. Uh, what what are, are allergies heaves or heaves allergies? They, they are. There are so many different terms out there floating around for what are, are basically either the, the same condition or very similar conditions. Um, we, we tend to use the term equine asthma now as sort of a, a catch-all for all of these different allergic or inflammatory diseases. Uh, so inflammatory airway disease, uh, recurrent airway obstruction, heaves, equine allergies, all very similar conditions. Okay. Okay. So, so... Is there a way to, to tell the difference in certain degrees of it? There is. There is. Um, recurrent airway obstruction is what we typically think of when someone says heaves. It typically affects older horses. They're usually seven years of age or older. Not always, but that's the typical. And these guys are, are pretty bad. It's usually caused by dust, uh, pollen, mold, uh, things in the environment, dust particles, just like uh, it causes issues in humans, same thing with the horses. So that that's one of the typical, that's the typical disease that we think of when we say heaves and, and what we see most common. And that's for horses that are just particularly susceptible to whatever that is, like the dust or the mold or something like that. Not every Correct. horse is going to have, okay. Not every horse is going to have it. And and just like people, some horses are allergic to one thing and another horse may be allergic to something totally different. Okay. Usually horses are allergic to the dust and the environmental things that would be found in a barn, in a closed in area, you know, the dust and that kind of thing. Some horses are the opposite though, and they actually can be allergic to the the allergens found out in a field. That's not as common, but it's certainly possible. So there is a lot of variation uh, between what the horse potentially could be allergic to. So is there a way to find out what your horse is allergic to? Uh, yes and no. You can do a skin allergy test just like they do in people. And mm -hmm. some people may opt to do that. But at the, at the end of the day, the, the best thing you can do is, is management and try to decrease all the dust and as much as you can, which is obviously easier said than done, but decrease the dust in that horse's environment to help them. And as far as diagnosing the condition, there are uh, several different ways. Clinical signs, uh, the appearance of the horse, the history, those are all going to point you down that path that you may be concerned that you have a horse that has allergies. To get a definitive or, or a, you know, a definite, I know this is what it is, diagnosis, then you would probably have your veterinarian do a one of two procedures, either a BAL, the bronchoalveolar lavage, or a transtracheal wash. Um, those, both of those tests 
are actually get a sample of the fluid or the or the cells from the lungs. And then we can look at those on a microscope, and that's going to help determine if your horse may actually have allergies. Sometimes that test is not needed. Sometimes it's just so obvious from the horse's condition, from the history, the clinical signs, that you may your veterinary may not think that you need to do that test. They may feel comfortable with the diagnosis. But if you have a case that you're like, well, you know, is this really allergies or do I have a bacterial pneumonia? Do I have a virus going through? Is there something else causing it? Then those two tests are going to help you differentiate between those uh, different diseases. Okay. A lung lavage or a transtracheal, those things sound pretty difficult to obtain. Uh, how does they, one obtain those things? They are, I was hoping you wouldn't ask, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah, thank so, you. They're, they're two procedures that are, they are mildly invasive, if you will, uh, and they're certainly not benign. They're, as with any procedure, there is a risk, but the, it's, a, it's a low risk. A BAL, and, and not all veterinarians do these procedures, I would say, t- too. Your veterinarian may refer you to um, an internist who does these procedures more commonly. Um, and that's, I'm in, in internal medicine here at Haggard, so we, we do a lot of these, and, and we get a lot of cases sent in by other veterinarians uh, to do these procedures. But a BAL, basically, you put a tube uh, in the horse's nose and down into their trachea. You flush some fluid, a small volume of fluid that's not going to hurt the horse, into some of the lung tissue, and then you pull it right back out. And that fluid, that small volume of fluid that you've put in, picks up some of those cells in the lungs. And then we take that sample to the microscope and um, our lab people look at it and see what kind of cells they see. And there's some specific cells that they look for that are going to point us down that path to say, yes, this is an allergy. Hold on, hold on. I feel like, hold on. I feel like you skipped a step. Okay. So you put the tube in the lungs. I'm just doing this for Glenn's benefit. Yeah, I, I figured that you were doing that for my benefit. <laughs> in the lungs, and the fluid goes in there, and then you pull the tube out. Uh, do they then, you are you the fluid catching? fluid back out through the tube. Oh, okay. I was hoping you were going to, like, catch their phlegm that they're sneezing or something, like, as they're clearing everything out. Well, that just That'd goes all over you. Can I, can I just I say... When we're doing this, don't stand in front of the horse. Can I just say, anytime a doctor or veterinarian says mildly invasive, I get nervous. I'm just saying. <laughs> I love it. You can hear them no, that, but it's, it's true. You know, I, I, I don't want to say that it's a completely safe procedure because there's always a risk with any procedure, but it is what I would consider mildly mildly invasive. Now, you certainly want to have your veterinarian uh, who's very familiar with this procedure doing it, but, you know, when done correctly, it is mildly invasive. (laughs) Now, a transtracheal wash is is a similar thing. We slide, we usually go, uh, we actually inject a small little catheter into the trachea, like on the bottom of the neck, so it's a little bit more invasive than the BAL. Um, And again, we slide a catheter into the trachea. We flush a small volume of sterile fluid in there. We pull it right back out, and then we take that to the microscope and look at it for those specific cells. Now, the difference is um, the transtracheal wash doesn't get as much uh, fluid or cells from deep in the lungs. But the good thing about a transtracheal wash is we can do a culture and see if there's any bacteria growing in the lungs. So if you're trying to decide, does my horse have an infection? or does my horse have allergies, or maybe does my horse have both, 
then a transtracheal wash would be called for because that can actually be cultured, meaning we could grow up bacteria that may be in the horse's lungs and know exactly what's growing in there and exactly what antibiotic the horse should be on. How's that sound, Glenn? Something growing in the lungs. Yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Who's hungry? Sign up for that. Hey, do they get asthma like we get asthma? Um, typically, yes, it's, it's a, it's a similar process. It's an allergic response where the, the body is mounting this immune response against these foreign, uh, particles or allergens and the lungs take the hit for it. They get bronchoconstriction where the, you know, the, the bronchi in the lungs just, just get smaller. And so it's hard for them to breathe. They get a lot of mucus production in their lungs, which additionally makes it difficult for them to breathe. So yes, it is very similar. So do they now, get an inhaler? Like I have a little inhaler that's a two inches. Do they get like a foot long inhaler that you have to just like. <laughs> the absolute best treatment for these guys, if you have to do medication, if you can't manage them with just environment change is an inhaler. Yes. Really? And it's uh, yes, yes, definitely. Um, and it goes over their entire nose. Oh, okay. So unlike ours where you just have the, the, puffer thing yep. and actually we do those puffers for horses too that that there's a little bit of an art to that i bet <laughs> put it in their nostril and time when they're breathing I bet. <laughs> so a lot of us end up uh, wearing those medications on us too and <laughs> but, uh, yeah i love your honesty so okay we have a horse that has allergies or heaves what are some things we can do because i remember growing up that there was a horse in a the barn that i boarded at growing up and they they fed it beer and they soaked the hay and they did all sorts of things. What are some of the treatment options? Obviously on this show, we've talked to uh, Dr. Cheng, who is a, uh, the head over at Omega Alpha Equine. And he of course talks about the lung flush and the equine airwaves that they sell as, as herbal products. But what are some of the other treatment options that people have? Um, I divide the treatment into basically three categories. The first one is environmental changes, and by far this is the most important. You can do all the medications in the world, but if you're, if you're not changing that horse's environment, you're going to be struggling. So assuming you have the most common problem, which is horses that are allergic to things in the barn, you want to get that horse out of the barn as much as you can, out of a dusty environment. Um, if the horse has to be in the barn, keep the dust to a minimum as best you can. Wet the hay, as you talked about, to decrease the dust on that hay. Feed, uh, if you feed a, a grain or a pelleted diet or whatever, try to choose one that has very low dust content. Do everything you can to eliminate the dust, dirt, etc., in that horse's environment. Now, you know, they're living outside. It's hard. It's very hard. But the more you can get them out on pasture and out of a closed-in environment, the better. Okay. Second treatment is going to be steroids. Um, and there's several different steroids available, several different ways you can give those steroids. Dexamethasone is um, an IV steroid, and sometimes we use that, especially in a really severe case that's basically a horse that's in trouble. You need, you need some relief for that horse right then, really fast. You may give an IV, or your veterinarian may give an IV dose of dexamethasone. Mm-hmm. Certainly, steroids are not benign. You've got to worry about laminitis when you give steroids. 
So there's always, you know, secondary considerations. Uh, you don't want to give that to a pregnant broodmare unless, I mean, sometimes you may have to, but it can certainly uh, be detrimental to the pregnancy. So that's something else. You have to weigh the, the risks versus the benefits of that uh, medication. Interesting. We, we just... That- Sorry, um, I had a sick my no, Philly who's Philly who's nine months old now. With can you believe it? Um, just had a major strep re- bacteria reaction type thing. Actually, it was a virus, strep virus, and her legs swelled up like tree trunks. And kind Ooh, of one of the first hemorrhagica. Yeah. What would you say? <laughs> it sounds like what? purpura hemorrhagica, the reaction to strep. Yeah. Purpura, I'm going to write that down. Hold on. Purpura, I'm going to Google that. Purpura. Try and hemorrhagica. spell it. U R P U R A. Yeah. Hemorrhagica. H E M. M O R A. You know, I oh bet gosh, you Google it, doesn't even have a suggestion for that. It, no, it, it did? Found it. Okay, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a rare complication of equine strangles caused by bleeding from capillaries, which result. Oh, my gosh. You nailed it. Okay. So, yeah, she had that. So, one of the things that we had to give her immediately was Dex. And, I, you know, not super excited about it, but she needed some, she needed some help immediately. So, that was one of the... Yeah fun things that we got to stick in our Philly. So, so that, that, that's kind of an emergency treatment. Um, what, what's with the beer people want to give them? <laughs> well, I have to admit, I have not given beer for that reason. I have several clients who actually do routinely give their horses beer and they think it helps their GI tract. I have not given it for heat. Well, it helps something. That, so I, probably. <laughs> it helps something. There you go. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, so but yeah, I'm not for sure on the the rationale behind that one. Now, I live in Phoenix and and there's uh, my horses live outside. There's no enclosed barn in a place where it gets this hot. So, horses are out, but there's a lot of blowing dust. And I've noticed that my my horses uh typically when we start exercising will cough three or four times. Is that something I, I kind of always thought it was like kind of clearing out the the dust that are stuck in their nose kind of thing. Is that something I need to worry about? Or is that something that just kind of part of existence? Oh, I think that's their normal defense mechanism. So that dust doesn't get any lower. And that's probably very normal. When you have a horse that has true allergies, they have other clinical signs besides the coughing. The severe allergic horses, they may not even be able to cough because their lungs are so bad. They can't get enough air in there to even uh, produce a cough. They'll get um, a heave line, we call it. And basically, these horses are breathing so hard that they'll start to get atrophy of, or excuse me, hypertrophy of one of the muscle lines along their ribcage. And you can see this sort of distinctive line on these horses. Um, you have to Google it and look at a picture of it. Uh, but we call it a heave line because these horses are just putting so much effort into breathing. So that's, that's very different from a horse that, that has a very appropriate response of coughing when they're in a dusty environment. Okay. Okay. So, so besides we, we, we got to wrap here in a second. I love having you on. I could talk to you for two days. Um, so we've got a horse that, uh, we think maybe has allergies or heaves. Give me like the general clinical signs of what you would see. This heave line that I talked about 
difficulty breathing. Uh, severe cases are going to breathe, are going to have an increased respiratory rate, even at rest. They're going to always look abnormal, if you will. Mild cases, uh, we didn't have a chance to talk about inflammatory airway disease versus the RAO. They may have exercise intolerance, but be normal at rest. Um, so those are, those are the big things, that heave line and just extreme difficulty breathing. It, it just goes all back to my favorite statement, which is, if in doubt, call the vet. That's what they're trained to do. Oh, yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Fraser, as always, it, it's just amazing having you on. I feel like uh, I could, I, like I said, I could talk to you for two days. So I appreciate it. And I look forward to having you on next time. And thanks, of course, to Haggards for having uh, providing such education for us on Wednesdays. And, and I appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you so much. You guys have a good day. Thanks. Thanks. All right, we'll be right back. We have our next guest coming up here in a minute. Haggard Equine Medical Institute in Lexington, Kentucky and Wellington, Florida has been treating racehorses, sport horses, and beloved pasture ornaments for 140 years. With some 30 ambulatory doctors, 24-hour emergency care, full surgical suite, dedicated sport horse facility, wide range of proven therapies, and full-service pharmacy, Haggard offers everything your horse needs for the proper diagnosis and best treatment. Visit Haggard.com for more information, or you can call them at 859-255-8741. Follow Haggard Equine Medical Institute on Facebook or on Twitter, at Haggard, and receive health alerts and the latest information on keeping your horse healthy and happy. Well, we talked about on Monday how the Thoroughbred Makeover was over the weekend. There were over 300 horses there. Well, the largest division at that makeover was eventing and with 90 entries. And it just so happens that the winner of that has been on our show before, stopped in and sat in on a show with uh, Stephanie Eileen, one of our auditors. Her name is Allison Thompson. Congratulations, Allison. Hey, how are you guys? Good. Well done over the weekend. You had some serious competition. Yeah, it was wonderful. I had such a great time and uh, thrilled with my horse. Well, tell us about your horse to start, Cactus (laughs) Willie. By the way, that's the best name ever. So just. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm pretty. That's what I tell people. Oh, I picked him for the name. Um, (laughs) No, my horse is. He's great. He's Louisiana bred. He was a big time loser on the track. <laughs> uh, I think he ran eight times and like didn't come close to placing any of those times. Um, and you know the the girl who was kind of the third party that I bought him from, she knows the trainer, and they have a smaller operation. And they even considered taking this horse on to teach him how to pony because he just was so calm. But then they decided he was too tall, so then he ended up coming my way, which is great. How tall is he? Um, so he's sixteen three. And he's just all legs. He's just super lean. You know, he was really skinny and scrawny when I got him. Um, but he's just turned out to be wonderful. And I think that that calm brain of his is what really makes him special. At what point in the training? You had how many months? How many months did you have to train him? Uh, I got him 
last week of January and started him under saddle in February. Okay, so we're we're not talking very many months here, eight to nine months. Did, at what point in this training did you did the light bulb go on and you went, okay, I think I might have something here? <laughs> um, well, he's always been really nice on the flat, but his jumping was really quite terrible for a long time. He was really uncoordinated and. You know, when you first started putting poles in front of him, he would either trip on them or even step on them. You know, he <laughs> just like had no idea where his legs were. Um, and so that was that was a bit of a process to get going. The real click happened honestly about a month ago. And, you know, he's been there's been progress throughout the whole thing, but then all of a sudden about a month ago he was like, I've got it and he figured out how to jump like really well through his body. Um, cause he went through the phase of knock everything over and then he switched to, I'm going to lift my knees and my head and neck up at the same elevation at the same time, <laughs> which is this really goofy jump phase. And then all of a sudden it clicked and it's, it's now coming all through his body and tremendous scope has suddenly revealed itself. And that's been really exciting. So and he is really no longer enjoy the job. He's no longer Miley Cyrus. I came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been his theme song initially, but <laughs> Are you welcome because that is gonna be in everybody's head the rest yeah, of the Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> now Allison, you gotta tell us now, obviously this is an event, so it's dressage, it's jumping, it's show jumping, and then it's cross country, but <laughs> there's a story that goes along with your dressage. Let's just say there was a little commotion while you're trying to do oh, your goodness. movements. Tell us about that. It was very unfortunate you know, because I signed up for both dressage and eventing because he's really quite fancy on the flat. And I Thursday is when I was doing my like dressage dressage portion of things not connected to the eventing. And my very first test, I'd been in the arena all of 30 seconds when I just hear like screaming in the background and people are like, oh my god! And like, please, horse. And um, oh, there's like, somebody's like, I've been hit. And like, people are like screaming to stop. And like, at one point, like, I look over at my judge and I'm like, uh, you know. <laughs> and it just, it kind of threw the whole thing for a loop because I think I tensed because I was super distracted. And Cactus Billy was also like tense for that whole first portion of the test. Well, and no he kidding. Like he <laughs> yes. already tuned back out, but you know, people are like, "Call Haggard," and yeah, you know, I'm like, "What is happening over there?" Um, and the, you can see the scores. Like, there's a whole bracket of the test where the scores went to like the five six range, and then by the end, it was back in the seven eight. Because um, he just he chilled out right again really quickly. Like as soon as I just kind of like settled my brain again. Um, but that that slightly worse dressage for set us back a little bit um as well, far as the final placing i want to i want to clarify that this weekend. loose horse did get hit by a car but apparently everybody's okay right oh good because it was hard to follow up on that not a lot of people well according to the article that stephanie wrote uh, everybody appears to be okay but there was a lot of yelling and running and screaming so <laughs> that's not yeah, good it was like mass panic <laughs> Welcome to Dressage. Okay, it was hard to, I know, it was like, oh, okay, here we go. First test of the day. You, my friend, officially became that girl during your dressage test, okay? I love it. I'm proud of you. 
<laughs> so we assume that you oh, won God, eventing. So Everything much. went better from there. <laughs> so Everything was much better from there. Like, because he did a dressage demo after that and sport really nice. And he was super relaxed. And what I love about this horse is, like, I can finish my test. And then my, my good friend, Allison Willoughby, was going next. And so we just sat around and hung out. Like, he has no need to go anyplace. He has this automatic parking brake that as soon as you take your leg off, he's there. And he has no need to go anyplace. He's very happy to stand around and do nothing. Like, he probably could have done just fine in that field hunters group, too, because he loves to just, like, go for a little bit. and then. I was just going to say he'll make a great hunt horse at some point, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> think he could multitask there in several different genres. Now, and there was a neat story, too. Um, there were actually two Allisons, right? And can you kind of tell the story of the other Allison? Sure. Yeah, she and I, because I used to work for Michael Pollard, and she also worked for him somewhat. And so we got to meet while working together. And uh, she's based there in Lexington, Kentucky. And I actually travel up there to compete often. So we've just kept in touch. And every time we're up there, half the time we're competing together. And so we've stayed great friends. And sure enough, we ended up like in the finale together and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And she apparently didn't have a lot of help. And you guys helped her out. And then you ended up winning one, two. Yeah, it was fantastic. (laughs) And we just, it made it so fun because we could lead our horses down to desensitize them to the arenas together. And, you know, it just was a whole different experience just having a friend by your side the whole way and um, walk the courses together. And, um, yeah, like I had a whole troop of people come down to root for Cactus Willie. And uh, it just was like, well, guys, if you're working for me, you have to work for the other Allison too. And they're like, okay. And everyone just got right on board and became super grooms for, for both teams. And her horse from this picture looks a lot like your horse. I mean, it was, uh, they were a lot alike. Well, her horse is like, her horse is like all muscle. His neck is unbelievable. Like, I'm so jealous of this horse's neck because all he has to do is like slightly tuck his head down and he looks like a warm blood. Like, he's gorgeous. (laughs) And like, no wonder he won in the dressage because he just, he doesn't even have that uh, thoroughbred look. He looks like he'd go right in with all the warm bloods. Well, congratulations. Yeah. You you obviously did very, very well. I heard, you know, overall, everybody seemed to think it was a good event this year, too, that it was well run and that things went well. How was the cross-country course for you guys? The cross-country course was beautiful. I loved the setup. I I enjoyed the, the difference in format this year, that we got to have, like, just a whole cross-country course and a separate show jumping. Um. Pudding was great. It actually was Cactus Willie's first time running all novice fences. Um, and he just handled it with ease. Um, you know, I liked that we had some different challenges and options on the course. You know, in the water, you got to pick kind of a bonus fence if you if you thought your horse was, you know, ready for the challenge. And, um, yeah, it just was fun kind of staying in the infield and, and looping it around. I feel like I should complain for you because I have a complaint in your, on your, on your behalf. I have a complaint (laughs) 90 entries in eventing. It's by far and away the largest division at the makeover eventing challenges. So many horses. Oh my gosh. You are the winner. 
of 90 like that's unprecedented you won after 90 horses and you didn't get a damn neck ribbon like just a regular ribbon <laughs> total crap on it. you did no, that like we, what? we got like, a little complimentary one like a you did it ribbon no <laughs> You deserve one of those wearing it. You participated. Ribbons that goes around the horse's <laughs> neck. It's huge, and you like walk around with it for days. I, I, it was like it cl- you got like a clip-on ribbon, and I'm going to complain. I'm going to send a strongly Stuart, worded letter. We're going to talk to Stuart. To yep. Stuart Pittman. Be like neck ribbons <laughs> should be happening for this makeover. Ninety horses. Give me a break. Come on. I, I think so for that for that top five or whatever because it's a big deal. Like it, we work really hard. I do think I love this year. This is a, a change that I really like is that they brought back the top 10 and I liked that they expanded it to the top five going for the finalist round because last year it almost seemed like a crime that only the top three could then show off their stuff again. Cause it really is a lot of amazing horses. So did you, so did you get to go nice in and do the freestyle then that showcase. you went in and got to do the freestyle? Um, I went in. I didn't do the dressage freestyle now. Okay. Um, but we did do the the eventing finale portion. Okay. <clears throat> Got it. Yeah. It is kind of confusing because there's so many different uh, so many different things that are going on there with the cow with the cows and the you know just everything. So it's yeah yeah. <laughs> we did go in like for our eventing finale on Saturday morning, but that was the only uh, extra portion we did. Now, we talked to Kayla Muller the other day, and she said that a lot of the horses were having trouble with the carriages that were there for the carriage competition. We are talking about the Kentucky Horse Park, in case anybody's <laughs> lost. They we're- warned us a lot, though. That's what I loved. In all the emails, they were like, everyone needs to be aware this is happening at the same time. Like, what a please nightmare. don't die. <laughs> How'd your horse do with the carriages? <clears throat> he spooked at the very first one, which the first one he saw was on Wednesday. We were hacking around. And this adorable, like, these like 13 hand paint ponies went by in a pair pulling a cart and he like legit stopped and like just stared watching it go down the road. But like, that's the most the horse ever does. He rarely spooks at anything. And he just, if he gets to stand and stare for a while, that then he can absorb it. And that's all he needs to do. Um, but by the end of the weekend, uh, most of the horses were handling it relatively well from what I could see. Cause they were kind of all over the place. So my guess um, is avoid them that this enemies. horse is not for sale. No, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like when I first had to declare that he is for sale, like that was my plan all along. And it's, it's that I've slowly been getting clingier and clingier. Um, <laughs> and he, he just is so nice. And he has like this whole fan base of people like, I, I think if I saw them, like, there'd be just a tear fest in my barn. Like, I think everyone would be affected by this horse leaving. So it's not just me being happy. Like, this horse is, has made a lot of people fall in love. Well, if you want to read more about it, head over to Venting Nation. Uh, our auditor, Stephanie Eileen, a good friend of yours, did an article there, and it was, uh, it was written very well, and you can see it at Eventing Nation. It's a peek behind the scenes of Allison Thompson's Thoroughbred Makeover Win is the title. Allison, congratulations. Well done. So Rolex in two years, so because much. he's a fast learner, right? <laughs> we will see where we get. Okay. <laughs> All right. right <laughs> Thanks, Allison. Thank Good job. So well done.
We'll send right. you a neck ribbon, okay? Jamie's pan. She's buying it. <laughs> cooler, but I'll parade him around and take a picture. Okay, good. Thanks, Allison. <laughs> bye. All right, bye, guys. Thank you. What's wrong with a girl want a neck ribbon? I mean, 90 horses, you'd be... And then you go to, like, a hunter show, and they win a flat Stuart, class and get a neck Stuart's ribbon. going, uh, this was expensive enough to put on. <laughs> Sponsors, baby. Sponsors. <laughs> That's what Stuart was saying. Oh, man. You're now... The Horse Radio Network would like to sponsor the neck ribbon. We'll do the neck ribbon for one class, eventing next year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's right. Well, we have coming up next, she comes on twice a month with us. Of course, she has her own show, too, here on the Horse Radio Network. Her name is Caroline, and she is from Heels Down Magazine. And the Heels, he's also host of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey, Caroline. Take a breath. Hi, guys. How's it going? Good. It seems like it's been a while. Well, I have to apologize that I was too sick and had no voice uh, two weeks ago when I was supposed to come on. I, you know, I just partied way too hard at the Central Park Horse Show, and it just really knocked me out <laughs> next week. <laughs> New York so, germs. I'm bad. Well, I t- truly, I actually had gotten on a plane a few days before that, and I think that you know those airport germs. They are like a hi- those things are like nothing else that you can get anywhere. I swear they're like highly evolved bacteria or something. <laughs> because I haven't been sick in a long time, but I was completely. Like, I couldn't do anything. I was completely out of commission for, like, a solid week, which was, like, I haven't been that sick since college. So, anyway, but I'm back, and I'm feeling Well, better. we're Sorry glad to have you, you back. We're glad to have you back. Thanks. And uh, Heels Down Happy Hour, let's put in a quick plug for that. You guys are in episode what already? Like, eight or nine? We just recorded episode eight. Yeah. Which is nuts. I know. Yeah, it's... and it's so much fun. I feel like we're starting to, like, really kind of get in the groove, and, like, you guys are having to hold our hands a little bit less. <laughs> Finally. I'm sure you're like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> it's fun yeah, to do your we, show, though. We just recorded episode eight um, on Monday night, so that will be coming out on Friday. Um, and we're just having so much fun with it. But I was so bummed because I missed the re- last recording of that, too, because I literally had no voice. And it was the same week that I was supposed to come on with you guys for this show. Um, so uh, if you haven't gone back, for anyone that's listening that wants to listen to the last episode of Happy Hour, Doug Payne was um, he was kind of funny replacement. Freaking hilarious. He was hilarious. Like, it was funny. I was like, you guys don't need me. I'm not coming back. Like, Doug is going to take over. He's freaking hysterical. Hearing him do the Rose and Thorn yes. was like the highlight of my life. I was like cry laughing. It was so funny. He's so like embarrassed. <laughs> I don't think he wants to come back, but he was very funny. No, he doesn't. <laughs> but he was so funny. He was such a trooper. He was like, we're like, okay, it's time for Rose and Thorn. And he's like, oh my God, this is the most feminine womanly thing i think i've ever done (laughs) so funny so he was a good sport very cool well what are we talking about today so of course our october because i haven't been on since um our october issue came out so the october issue of heels down magazine of course comes out on the first as our magazine does every month always comes out on the first and you can download it to your ipad or iphone or android phone um, and our cover girl this month, this was probably one of my favorite interviews that I've done for the magazine to date. It was so much fun to talk to her. Georgina Bloomberg was on our cover, um, for October this month. And she talked all about animal welfare. And it was really interesting to 
I mean, we talked a little bit about horses, but it was kind of fun to do an interview that wasn't just about, you know, riding and sport. Um, she talked all about kind of her, how she feels very called to, um, take care of dogs and help get dogs adopted and rescue dogs. And she's done a ton of, of work and been on, you know, all sorts of different, um, volunteer organizations and boards, um, like Animal Aid USA and Prevention of uh, American Society of Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, the ASPCA. Um, so she does lots of great work um, spreading awareness about puppy mills. Um, you know, she does a lot of even just on her social. Oh, did we lose her? Oh, oh no. can you hear me? There, she's, she's back. back. Okay. Yep. Oh, oh, am I good? You're good. Sorry, guys. Um, so anyway, I was just saying that, um, she does a ton of work for, um, spreading awareness about spay neuter, spreading awareness about puppy mills. Um, she has quite a rescue menagerie as well. Um, she's got pigs and goats and many horses. So Georgina is very cool. You know, she, she walks the walk and talks the talk, um, as well. You know, she fosters and, and takes care of a lot of homeless She's the lady herself. from Green Acres, for those of us old she enough to remember that. <laughs> so. She really is. That's totally what, it's so funny. I was like, wow, you have like quite a, uh, a menagerie there. So um, everyone can check her article out. It's, she's on the cover. It's a beautiful cover shot by Jeffrey Tishman. Um, absolutely stunning. It's her and her horse crown on the cover of the um, October issue of Heels Down magazine. It's a really good article to read. You know, I think horses and dogs, you know, you can't go to a horse show without seeing dogs hardly ever. So um, it's a it's a cause that I think is pretty close to home for a lot of horseback riders. Um, you know, most of us have, you know, more than just, you know, Jamie, I know you can speak to this too. Like more, you know, we don't have just horses. If you have mm -hmm. horses, you usually have, you know, dogs or cat barn cats or something like that. Um, At minimum, come on now. Around here, these people that are listening have goats and sheep and pigs ducks and all and sorts <laughs> of non-ducks. My sister is Chickens. an equine veterinarian and she has 11 cats. Uh, she's a veterinarian crazy cat lady? <laughs> she is a crazy cat lady and she's an equine veterinarian. And she's got a dog that's paralyzed from the waist. Yeah, is she married? Wheelchair. That's a good question. She's She's not married. Yeah, okay. Yep. 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 And she, and she's like beautiful. And like, there, she, you know, like she's, I'm like, well, maybe you're not married because if you look like that and you're not married, might be the 11 cats might be the problem. <laughs> 11 cats. I hope it's, she's not listening. Courtney, I love you, but the 11 cats <laughs> girlfriend got to get that under control. <laughs> like at least like, you know, if you're going to have 11 cats make them all the same color. So you, or lie knows. about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Lie. yeah. <laughs> about it. Try to be normal. They have too. And just, you know, and just let the others put the others in a room when people come over. Like, well, I would have 11 dogs if I wasn't married. That's what I was asking because typically husbands will start to like tone you down. This is the first time in my life I haven't had a cat. So, cause I'm married and need, yeah. The, yeah. The, the significant others, I do feel like they kind of pump the brakes. It's like the balance of powers a little bit as far as they they'll check you when you get into the double digits of, of rescue animals. We just rescued two kittens at my house. Um, my boyfriend and I, we just pulled two out of the shelter ourselves and it's just, you know, I think we're just, 
like slowly making our way to just being completely overrun by animals and they're going to take over the world. So yeah, but you to gotta, there's a key word that you just said, and I'm worried about you. As you said, boyfriend, you got to lock that down, girl, before your crazy <laughs> takes over. And then you get all these animals before he realizes yeah. what he's done. Yes. What's his number again? What's his phone number again? <laughs> you got to no, lock I that down like... because he's going to he's going to be like, you know what? I can't take the animals anymore. You're like, oh, we did this. Whatever. That's a lie. You know, you did it. And he just tagged. How you come nobody ever boyfriend. wants me to talk to the boyfriends? I don't understand. Glenn, Glenn did try. He tried to get him on like some. I did. I can't remember Glenn what the it horse was, husbands but, but episode. Like, oh, that's what it was. And yes. I was like, nope. No, no she wouldn't let me no. talk to him. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. You're, you're <laughs> a wimp. Six years to talk to my husband. Glenn's so a wimp. You're a wimp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just like keep certain parts of my life sanctioned off for the time being. <laughs> Although he, you know, we've been together for. I don't know, almost six years. So like he knows that I'm nuts. Like he is fully aware. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> long enough. Know. It's his own like fault now. Yeah, it's his own know. fault now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we have time for one more article. And I really wanted to talk about, because uh, this is near and dear to my heart, having chronic Lyme. Um, you did an article about Lyme and horses. And uh, I thought it was, you wrote this one, right? I did. Talk about um, it once. So, yeah, so this was... This is an article that actually, while I was writing it, my own horse was diagnosed with Lyme. So riddle me that. That's quite a coincidence. Um, and uh, so I, I spoke to Dr. Rachel Gardner about this, um, and she works for BW Furlong and Associates in Oldwick, New Jersey. Um, and she's also board certified for the American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine, and they um, do a lot of research on equine Lyme. Uh, the funny thing when I was speaking with Dr. Gardner about Lyme is that she, her, her overarching point was that essentially we know nothing. Um, there's not that much that is proven. Um, and there's not that many studies that have been conducted about equine Lyme disease. So there have been, of course, the most in humans, and then there've been more than there have been for equines there. They've done a fair amount in, um, canines as well. But the like equine Lyme disease is not very well researched and um, there haven't been a ton of studies about it. So a lot of the information that we use when diagnosing and treating horses comes from diagnostics and treatments for humans and dogs. It's not even specifically for horses. Um, and of course, Lyme disease, this, this is becoming a more and more frequent diagnosis. And she explained that a lot of the time that diagnosis comes about because you kind of have these strange symptoms that can't quite be pinned down to any one thing. For my horse, for instance, I'll use my, my mare as an example. She just was lame and it, it, we would treat one thing and then the lameness would go somewhere else. And this went on for months. Um, and we could never figure out what was wrong with her. And she just had like a major behavioral change under saddle. Like she went from being like very happy to go to work to being like really uncomfortable when I put the saddle on and like naughty to be mounted. And, um, so she just had this very strange and abrupt behavioral change under saddle. And Dr. Gardner explained that that's what Lyme, you know, can look like. It can look like a million different things. And really, it's a diagnosis of exclusion. So you just kind of rule everything else out, and then it kind of leaves you with Lyme. 
And Glenn, I don't know, um, you know, if maybe you can speak to the human side of this, but... Oh, it's not any better. And, you know, there there hasn't been enough research. And, mm-hmm. you know, people, they still say that 40% of people that are tested will test negative and they have it. It's the same on the horse side. The tests aren't reliable. They still have, they still aren't reliable. And there's arguments on the, on the equine side and the human side about whether there's such a thing as chronic Lyme or not chronic Lyme. And, you know, having had Lyme for 13 years, I can tell you there's such a thing. And I know right now that we have a couple of our listeners that have gone through hell and back with their horses. And we have a couple of our listeners right now who are going through massive antibiotic treatments for chronic Lyme. So, you know, um, I can, you know, I could name names right now. I won't. But, you know, the ones that have had the horse issues, the problem with Lyme disease, as you pointed out, by the way, I thought your article was very well written. And I'm I'm probably an authority on this now, having dealt with it and read every article out there for humans and horses. But your, your article is very well written. And the problem is it can be any symptom in humans or horses. It changes, too. Like, uh, I'll, uh, one month I'll have one thing, the next month it'll be something completely different. Uh, the, the, oops, I don't know, where's that even coming from? This is the horse right I hit a button. Network. Hold on. I don't <laughs> have any like, idea. Did I do that? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. So, you know, it's, uh, it's tough because the symptoms are do change. And you, the problem is they keep they keep changing, so the doctors keep going after, and the veterinarians right. keep going after that symptom at that time, and what could cause that symptom, when in fact, you know, those are dead ends usually. Right. It's chase, it's chasing ghosts. Yeah, and it is. It's, yep. it's so frustrating, and um, you know, I it took forever to even reach this diagnosis with my mare, and we actually had tested her early on. Um, you know, we'd done the multiplex test, and it didn't even show anything, and it wasn't until we tested her months and months and months later that her values had changed a lot. But one of the things that um, I'd just like to point out quickly about uh, what Dr. Gardner had to say is that um, the most recent uh, studies that have been done on the multiplex test prove that it's very, it's, it's more unreliable than we even have ever expected or suspected that it was, um, which can be really, uh, you know, she, she said as, as somebody, as a veterinarian that's out in the field, you know, trying to diagnose this all the time, she was like, of course, you know, we're in New Jersey, so we see it a lot. Um, it's well, very disheartening. And it, I, I'm glad you pointed out in the article, too, there's been this misconception that you have to be in the Northeast to get Lyme. That's not true anymore. We're no, talking all across everywhere. the country. Yep. Absolutely everywhere. Yep. If, yep, if there sure. are deer ticks, you've ch- good chance you're going you're gonna to have that issue. Um, and in, and there is so much disagreement in the medical community about it, uh, and I'm including veterinarians in that, in, in the medical community, that it's just a nightmare to try and get treatment. Unless you have a vet that is really versed in it, uh, you're, it's going to be tough. And the problem with it, too, as you know, you probably learned this, that the longer you go without treatment, the harder it is to treat. Absolutely, yeah. for sure. And these, you know, these horses can be on antibiotics for, you know, even months. Um, and that has that, of course, has its own host of side effects and problems. And, you know, when you're treating with massive antibiotics, of course, that can affect, 
you know, in humans and horses, things like gut flora, you know, there's all sorts of different side effects to even the treatment. Oh, yeah. Um, it so, messes with your gut. Your gut's just totally screwed. <laughs> I was, oh my yeah. gosh, I was on antibiotics just for four days after I got my wisdom tooth pulled and like my stomach was wrecked. So I can't imagine like, you know, sufferers of Lyme like yourself that have to be on longer courses of antibiotic. Oh gosh. I it was a year that. that I was on three weeks on oh three weeks gosh. off. Yeah. That was, that's the way they do it. They do three weeks on three weeks off. Um, because your stomach can't handle it straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, well, it's a good article. I think people should go check that out. And I know that we have listeners right now that are dealing with that with their horses. So where can they find it? Okay, so that article, that Lyme article, is in the October issue of Heels Down magazine. If you're interested in checking out the magazine and you've never downloaded it before, you can download the app and subscribe to um, the magazine and get the October issue. And your first issue is free. So if you're interested in just checking out this article um, in particular, this Lyme article that I wrote with Dr. Gardner, you can get that that issue for free. Your first issue is free. And then um, you, we have lots of other horse care and horse health articles on our website as well. If you're interested in checking out our website, that web address is heelsdownmag.com. And of course, we, of course, we're also Heels Down Happy Hour. So be sure to keep an eye out for our episode that is coming out on Friday. I call it the most intoxicated show on the Horse Radio <laughs> Network. <laughs> well, and, and I will, a little preview, Justine did not eat before she had her glass of wine for this, this episode coming out on Friday. So you really got to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you being on. We'll talk thank to you again you in a couple of weeks. All right. Take Bye. care. Uh, it's a lot of fun to have her on, and, and they really do. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen, Jamie, but they really do a good job over there on that oh, show. So fantastic! It is funny. So fun. <laughs> they don't have guests; it's just the three of them, and they have a great time. And it, it it truly is like happy hour. So it's a completely different for than any of the other shows that we do. Well, Jemmy is our producer today. Are you still there, Jemmy? You still with no, us? Sure Has she fallen asleep? Hanging on. Okay, good. Um, hanging on. <laughs> well, we have an announcement to make, Jamie. Uh, there's too many J's, by the way. I got I got Jamie and Jem, Jemmy and Jennifer, and I, my mind just can't wrap around all those J's. But uh, we have an announcement. Keep hiring us. Jem- yeah, Jemmy and I have an announcement. I'm going to be doing, with Jemmy as my co-host, the first non-horse podcast I've done in 10 years. Uh, actually, You've been dying to do that. And I have way, been. Jimmy, I've talked to you about it, what, for about three years, right? Yes. <laughs> so, Jimmy, can you please make sure that you now say Glenn is your co-host instead of <laughs> my co-host is Jimmy. Like you, he's your co-host, girl. Own it. Come on. <laughs> That's right. I need to crack that whip a little bit. You do. I am Jimmy's co-host. Glenn, practice saying that. I am Jimmy's co-host for a break. Yes. And it is true, actually, because she's doing a lot of the work. So that's more the case. Uh, and I'm very excited <laughs> about it. You know, I've always wanted to do a travel show of some sort. And I, I and recently, you know, I've done 60, we've done 64, almost 6,500 episodes now on, on horses. And I said, I just need to talk about something other than horses once a month. So, and then Jemmy came into our lives and, and, uh, I, you married the wrong person. <laughs> like a wrecking ball. <laughs> Now I got two of you gone. Um, so we did. We talked about it. We decided to do a show called Finding Florida. That was Jimmy's idea, actually. And Alliteration, baby. I love it. Tell us about what the show's going to be about and when it starts. Give us the details, Jimmy. 
Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So yeah, so Glenn and I, you know, we get along famously, but on paper, we couldn't be more different. <laughs> so we're really going to play hey, into just... Amen, yeah. sister. Yeah, welcome to my <laughs> oh, <I> know. <laughs> so we're really going to play into our differences. We're going to actually create like a... Do you remember, Jamie, those choose-your-own-adventure books from, oh, I think, yeah. the 80s? Just oh, trying yeah. not to There's die. So much <laughs> I know, right? There's so much fun. So we're kind of taking that to a podcast in a way. And we've created a concept for an interactive podcast where Glenn and I will be going to different towns throughout Florida and stopping in those towns, spending a whole day and just creating an adventure of called a 10 and one. It's going to be a challenge of 10 things to do of a certain type in that one town. And where the choose your own comes from and the interaction comes from is we're going to throw it out to the listeners what that 10 to one challenge should be. So as an example, the first one we're going to be doing, we're going to be uh, filming it and taping it actually this weekend at Disney. And so it's going to be 10 free things to do at Disney. So the things, the list of 10 is going to be different. Every town uh, is going to be about once a month. And I think Glenn, we're releasing this one at the end of October, I think. Correct. Yeah. Releasing the first one. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So Oh, so we have a lot to do, but it's going to be so much fun. It's, and eventually, you know, we're planning on having, uh, putting our, our agenda, our adventure agenda out ahead of time. So listeners and friends can meet us out to these different places. And, you know, it'll be great. We're going to record some video to put out and we're going to release basically two episodes a month in a very different way. So there'll be like a precursor episode that'll talk about the town and then have like really fun segments between me and Glenn just about Florida kind of in general and that'll be released on a Monday and gear everybody up for the real adventure which will be released the fall released the following Friday of that town so it's going to be a totally different format than anybody's ever seen before and we're so excited to do it aren't you Glenn I'm excited I'm very excited our adventure from country to coast and this Saturday, Jamie, we're doing uh, 10. This was put, we threw this out to our auditors uh, because we don't have listeners yet. It's a brand new show. So our auditors were kind enough to help and they actually came up with this idea. So we're doing ten, the 10 free things to do at Disney, but only using Disney transportation to get back and forth oh, yeah. between them all, which is really the challenge. So we'll be on boats, monorails, buses. And then we're going to be recording all day. We're going to be recording people we meet along the way. And just, you know, can we get it done in one day is going to be the challenge. So uh, it's it's Helping something... strangers to take pictures for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, we're just, I think it's going to be a fun, unique, different concept that uh, hasn't been tried before. I, I, this is going to be great. I want you to come to every state and do it. Well, you know... We're going to be looking for hosts. We can do Finding Arizona, and you could be out and about in Arizona. It's too hot here. <laughs> That's Go part of the, the challenge. Can I survive 10 things in one day in Arizona without dying of heat stroke? Uh, it's too hot. You know, it's just CGI. Yeah. CGI like, here you a, go. A green screen no. in the back or something. It would be like, okay, uh, first thing we're going to do is we're going to go to a movie. Thank you. Okay, then the second thing we're going to do is we're going to go to a bar. <laughs> we're going to go. How many air conditioned places can we hit in exactly. one day? <laughs> the indoor playground is a very common place for Lucas and I. That's right. They have indoor playgrounds you have to pay to get in. <laughs> so it's too hot to use the outdoor one. You'd burn your skin off. You burn your butt. Yeah, you have to make indoor 
playgrounds and it's like nine night dollars for i'm like it's fine it's totally worth it go play <laughs> it would be one episode long and that's right <laughs> and jamie'd that be quick. done no, she'd do be it. out so uh so that's coming out the end of the month we'll be talking more about that we're actually going to put that on the horse radio network app we debated whether it would fit on the horse radio network app and then i decided i own the company i can put it anywhere i want so uh, it's going to be on the Horse Radio Network app. You can choose whether you want to listen or not. I, it should be a lot of fun whether you live in Florida or not. It, it's just, uh, we're just going to have a good time with it. So, And you get to write off all your Florida travels, baby. That's right. That is true, too. That's right. That's true. And Jemmy's expensive. Jeez. Um, so, so we're going to no be... Idea. You're just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, repeat after me. Yes. I am Jemmy's co-host. I am Jemmy's co-host for a brand new show called Finding Florida. Florida awesome. from country and to coast <laughs> and and uh, I'll post a logo on our horses in the morning Facebook page I think our logo I don't know if you've seen it Jamie but it, a logo turned out terrific so so should if yeah. I was going to do one in Arizona should it be like assaulting Arizona <laughs> yes surviving yeah. Arizona that's what it is it's surviving Arizona <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was going with the alliteration, but surviving sounds good. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Jemmy. And uh, we'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come. Well, you did a book reading, and we're continuing the book. Yes, it is uh, The Opium Equation, and I think well, you'll hear what chapter we're on. Yes. Thank you for listening. Yes, we'll be, uh, we're going to play the show out with this. We'll be back tomorrow with Mary Kitzmiller's doing a whole bunch of training topics, uh, answering listeners' questions. And then Friday, Really Bad Ads is back, so be sure to get your ads in. Jennifer needs some, by the way. Get them into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Oh, I'll have plenty. <laughs> I'll have plenty. I'll win the prize. And we, ha- we do have a couple great prizes this month, so definitely get those in. All right, this is Lisa Waisaki in the Opium Equation, Chapter 9. Talk to you tomorrow, everybody. Bye, Spade Nudegeld. The Opium Peace. Equation is the first of the Cat and Wright mystery series written by Lisa Waisaki. It features Cat and Wright, a Tennessee Appaloosa horse trainer, Darcy Whitcomb, teenager with a trust fund, Bubba Henley, a budding juvenile delinquent, and John Gardner, a mysterious barn manager. And of course, there's Sally Blue. Thank you to the publisher, Cool Titles, for allowing us to read this book. If you want to read ahead, all four books in the series are available in stores and online everywhere or at lisawaisaki.com. Chapter 9. When I got to the covered arena later that morning, John was already there lunging a yearling filly we hoped to take with us on the show circuit that summer. I think whoever invented lunging should be elected president, as it's about the most efficient way to exercise a horse there is. If a horse is too young to be ridden, it suffers from stiffness and needs to loosen up, lunging is the way to go. All I had to do is attach a long rope or lunge line to the horse's halter, then just stand there as the horse moves around him in a large circle. The human controls the horse's speed by positioning his or her her body either towards the horse's neck or the tail, and this positioning also helps the horse understand that the person and not the horse is in charge. Using body language to tease 
teach a horse trust and respect for the human partner as a basic concept, but one that is not so easily mastered. It is best done in a circular enclosure called a round pin, where the horse can be free lunged or lunged without the halter or lunge line. But I didn't have a round pin. Most of the showgrounds we went to didn't have one either. Or if they did, there was often a long line waiting to use it. So we lunged a lot. Besides, lunging was a great tool to help a horse become supple and for teaching voice commands such as walk, trot, canter, and the all-important whoa. The name of the filly John was working with was Glamour Girl G, and it was an appropriate name, I thought, as I watched her taut muscles ripple through her glistening chestnut coat. As far as I'm concerned, there isn't a bad color as long as there's a horse attached, but Gigi was exceptional. Her breeding was impeccable. Her legs moved fluently, gracefully, and her head tapered to a small muzzle and large nostrils, and her neck arched with the knowledge that she was perfection itself. I might, uh, might also add that the gorgeous Gigi was nuts. She was simply put scatterbrained, which is unusual in the Appaloosa breed. I thought of coming horse shows with a mixture of pride and trepidation. On one hand, I knew there wasn't a filly in the country that could compare to her breeding, confirmation, and beauty. On the other hand, the thought of hauling that silly youngster miles on end, show after show, week after week, was enough to make me think seriously about leaving her home. But Darcy's dad, Mason Whitcomb, owned the filly. He'd been a good client through the years, and I knew I had he had a real shot at a national or world championship with her. No question, I sighed to myself, the filly was going on the road. We'd been using a lot of natural horsemanship techniques on Gigi, plus relaxation exercises, music, massage, acupuncture, and chiropractic. But so far, it had only calmed her down a little. I'd also consulted with an equine nutritionist, and it also changed her rations. It was too soon to see if that would help or not. After calling a greeting to John, I checked the cinch on the well-used Western saddle I preferred to use at home because it fit almost every horse I rode and climbed aboard to an old friend called Hillbilly Bob. My very first client, an orthopedic surgeon, owned Bob, and the good doctor had set more than a few of my broken bones over the years. I never said training horses was free of risk. Never one to be flashy, Bob was a steady Western pleasure horse who excelled in consistency. A large dark bay with a small blanket of white lace over his hips, Bob won as often as he did, mostly by default. He wasn't the kind of horse that judges and spectators oohed and awed over, but sooner or later the other top contenders in the class would bobble here or there, and Bob, by virtue of his easy, plodding regularity, would come out the winner. As my mind was still overloaded from yesterday's events, Bob was a good choice for me. Teaching horses new skills demanded a lot of concentration, and concentration was something I had little of at the moment. I didn't have to think much when I rode Bob. He rarely needed schooling, and he didn't have any bad habits, so this was more of an exercise period for both of us than a skills-sharpening lesson. Hank was not allowed in the arena as it was dangerous for a little dog to be around all those big moving hooves. But early on, Hank had claimed a spot right at the gate that was not really in the arena, but not completely out of it either. He knew better than to think about chasing or playing with a horse. So now he lay in his usual spot, chewing on one of the big sticks he always seemed to find. Bob and I had settled into a nice slow jog along the rail when John spoke up. I ran into Jim Ed at Ashland City Co-op this morning. He said after a warning glance at Hank, who had crept a fraction of an inch further into the arena. Jim Ed was a talkative older member of the Giles clan who'd had a five-way heart bypass a few months ago. The fact that he was out and about at the co-op was a good sign. 
Jim had asked about Bubba, and somehow we got talking about Colonel Samuel Henley, the man who originally built Fairbanks in the 1850s. I didn't ask John how John knew about Bubba. The police had probably questioned him last night, and I should have talked about it with him, but with all that had gone on, I'd forgotten. Apparently, Jim Ed's grandpa, or maybe his great-grandpa, was a cousin of Colonel Sam's. Jim Ed said his grandpa told him that Colonel Sam made his fortune buying things that soldiers needed, smuggling them in, and selling the items to whichever army could afford what he had. I smiled as I made an automatic adjustment to the set of Bob's head by raising my hands and squeezing my pinky fingers a fraction of an inch. I also sat a little deeper in the saddle and squeezed my lower legs. Once in a while, Bob overflexed at the pull, which made him pull from his front end rather than push from his hindquarters. That sounds just like the kind of ancestry I'd have expected of Hill, a true blue, loyal Southern patriot. So, John, what kind of things did Colonel Sam smuggle in? Don't know. Jim had said, didn't say, and I didn't think to ask. He said, slowly reeling the filly in and settling her off in a very carefully in the opposite direction. To help her stay calm, John always kept his body posture and facial expressions relaxed, but businesslike when working with Gigi. It sometimes affected the tone of our conversation, but never the words. He did say that whatever was smuggled in was rumored to have been kept in a secret hiding place somewhere in the house. What do you think, Kat? Does that house next door have any secrets? Oh, boy, if that house could only talk, I laughed, circling Bob at a faster trot, using my sea legs and hands to make sure he didn't get too lazy and drop his inside shoulder. But I'm sure a lot of the older houses around here have stories in to tell. What's that house here south of Franklin in with the bullet hole still in it? The one with the cemetery next to it? Carton, supplied John. That's it, the Carton Plantation. Now that house played a big role in the Civil War. Well, maybe our Fairbanks did too, only it was all secret and nobody knows about it. Could be, I agreed, but unless Colonel Sam's ghost comes back to tell us about it, we'll never know. Bob and I loped in the arena in slow, rhythmic, three-beat gait a few times in each direction. He seemed as bored with all of it as I did, so we called it quits. Besides, my scraped hand was throbbing to beat the band. And I had just finished brushing Bob and had snapped the last buckle on his blanket when Sally Blue began banging her hoof against the stall door. Sally did that when she thought she wasn't getting enough attention or maybe when she was channeling Seabiscuit. I slid open Sally's door and went inside to spend a few minutes with Agnes's intuitive marvel. Sally lifted her head and put her chin on my shoulder, a sign that she wanted her cheeks rubbed. This was Actually, an excellent pull release, the pull being the tiny bump horses have at the top of their head just behind their ears. Thinking of human fingers massaging the hollowed out point of the base of your neck, then you get the idea. I obliged and Sally sank into the moment, closing her eyes and groaning. I wish people could be so easily pleased. After a few minutes, Sally declared she'd had her fill of pull stretching and scratching and cheek rubbing and set her nose to inspecting my clothing. As inquisitive as Sally was, she should have been a dog, I thought, not for the first time. Sally bumped my left hip, a signal that she thought I had a carrot in my pocket. I knew I didn't, but Sally bumped my hip again. Look, I said, reaching to turn my pocket inside out. No carrots. But my pocket wasn't completely empty. I pulled out a small leather notebook. I knew I'd never seen it before. Turning it over, I gasped to see gold letters embossed on the other side. Glenda Dupree. How in the world, I thought, did that notebook get into my pocket? Better yet, could Sally have known it was there? 
Nah, I thought, I'm starting to sound like Agnes now. I flash back to the scene in the barn. Glenda must have put it on my desk along with her gloves and scarf and forgotten it when she had stormed out of the room. Somehow, without thinking, I had picked it up and put it into my pocket. I hate it when I zone out and do stuff I don't remember doing, but how else could it have gotten there? John finished with Gigi and brought her prancing into the barn to put her blankets back on. Gigi pranced even when she was in her stall. Thank goodness she also liked to eat or it would have been difficult to keep weight on her. Before I could ask John about the notebook, the phone rang. John was still with Gigi at the other end of the aisle, so I closed Sally's stall door and jogged down the aisle to answer it. Cat in right stables, I said, stretching the long cord over the bob stall to double check the latch. Yes, hello, is Cat there? Speaking. Oh, hi, Cat. This is Buffy Thorndike at Ashland City Times. I wondered if I could ask you a few questions. Buffy was a snooty young reporter from the local weekly paper who had interviewed me after I'd returned from the World Championships last fall. Her parents lived in the Bell Mead area of Nashville, one of the 10 richest neighborhoods in the nation. We're talking old, old money, so I had no doubt that Buffy would soon move on to bigger and better things, thank God. Even though the Times was owned by a major newspaper conglomerate, they were similar to Ashland City's police department in that they couldn't keep their staff for very long. Questions? Sure, fire away. Okay, I got a phone call yesterday morning from Glenda Dupree, the film star. Buffy was one of those people who talked in question marks. She probably thought it was cute. I just found it irritating. She said she was severing her ties with your stable and she had chosen Hill Henley as her new trainer. I wonder if you had any comment? A phone call to the press? This was carrying things too far. Just announced to the world that Glenda Dupree thinks Kat Enright is incompetent. If Hill thinks Bubba's disappearance is going to hurt his business, wait until his star client announces that he has a has-been. That'll shake him up some. The more I thought about it, the matter I got. I fought to keep my Irish temper battened down, but it took longer than I would have liked. Buffy mistook my silence to mean I didn't want to comment. Well, it's just that Glenda Dupree is an international film star. Anything she has to say is news around here. Anything. If you don't, of course I have a comment, Buffy, I said, recovering my composure. And I was just checking on Sally Blue. Agnes's young mare was a favorite of Buffy's, and I... Thought if I reminded her of a positive thing, she wouldn't totally trash me in her story. Well, one can always hope. Let's see. Okay. Glenda and I both decided that her talents lay more in the direction and style and the glamour of the walking horse industry rather than in the direction of stock breeds such as the Appaloosa. I applaud her decision and wish both her and Hill the best of luck. When I have to, I can BS with the best. Okay. That's great, Kat. Sorry to have bothered you. Anytime, Buffy. Any old time at all. The call from the Times made me angry enough to confront Glenda and finally have it out with her. I was so frustrated and mad at the woman, I decided I would put her in her place once and for all. Before I had time to think about it, I stuffed Glenda's little notebook back in the pocket of my jacket, strode across my pasture, swung under the post and rail fence that divided our properties. We'll just see who has the upper hand here. 